Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. I am here with Mike Avila and F.J. DeSanto. We're going to be talking one of my favorite subjects, which is Transformers, believe it or not. Um, it's one of those things that my little brother got to play with and I snuck in and played <laughs> because, you know, not to get too far into it, but back in the day, it was girls play with these things, boys play with those things. And I'm so glad that that's different because I think Transformers are for everyone. And I know you guys agree. A hundred percent. Absolutely. My, my, my youngest daughter uh, is better at transforming my Transformers than I am. There you go. There you go. So what we got going on, first of all, is this prequel. Uh, it's a trilogy that's available to watch on Netflix, right? People can go and watch that now. But coming up soon is this gorgeous, gorgeous book that you guys have written about the trilogy. You go into depth about individual Transformers, whether they're Autobots or Decepticons, and it's so gorgeous. And usually I'd say what brought you to this project, but I kind of feel like there's a lifelong love of this subject matter, especially with FJ, because at, in the foreword, you were like, absolutely a thousand percent. What do you have to show me? Let's talk about it, right? Yeah, I was very lucky that I was involved with a previous Transformers show. So I had, had some inroads at Hasbro. And when they had shown me what they wanted to do with this, I I sort of did, I, I don't want to say through a tantrum, but sort of expressed very passionately my desire to want to produce this as a show. And luckily they agreed. Well, that's awesome. And Mike, what brings you to it? What brought you to it? Well, I mean, when I, when I get uh, ideas for, for books or, or somebody approaches me with an idea, hey, would you be interested in doing a behind-the-scenes book on this or that? I obviously consider a lot of things, but one of the most important things to consider is I'm going to enjoy writing about it. And I'm a big Transformers fan. I was a huge G1 uh, fan because that was probably the last animated show that I was watching religiously as a kid before I, you know, hit my teenage years and started getting into all kinds of trouble. Um, But then on top of that, FG and I go back years and we both are if we go back years and we've had, I don't know how many times we, we've sat at a restaurant or a bar and argued and screamed about this or that movie or TV show. But we always agree that DVD extras and Blu-ray extras and behind the scenes and art books are awesome because they really expand your knowledge of whatever thing you love, right? And mm-hmm. so when we were talking about uh, about the show and he's telling me he's doing this Transformers show, he goes, you should write a book on this and i go okay go ahead and uh you know give me a minute i'll, I'll come up with a pitch and you talk with the hasbro guys and see if, if they'd be interested at all because if the licensor doesn't care it's not going to go anywhere he literally right. called me like a week later and was like they love the idea of a book you have you have a pitch ready shockingly i had actually written the pitch and i had it ready for him to send there and and it really moved quickly it, and like FJ keeps joking about it. He has no idea how I wrote the book that fast. Um, but it was once things got going and things were lined up, it was okay. And then the hardest part of doing a book like this is getting people to talk to you because everyone mm-hmm. moves on to other projects, whatever. Easiest book ever to get interviews. All the writers were like, sign me up. When do you mm-hmm. want to talk? To me? I, I was talking to the writers at like 10 o'clock at night on Zoom. Uh, FJ was available to me at all times. The the animators in Japan made time. It, it was great. It was really good. And 
it, it was a lot of fun doing something. I mean, come on, Transformers. It's not really a hard sell, you know? Right. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who'd be like, no, because they are, they're so, they're so amazingly cool. And a lot of people were introduced to them via the films. And then, as you said, going behind the scenes and, and getting to know their history, so to speak. I think you really touched on something that appeals to a lot of people because we always tend to leave things, whether it's a film or a book that we read, wanting a little more or wondering specifically with like a film or, you know, a television show, how did they do that? Or where did they get that weird idea from? And to have a behind the scenes is so, it's something that a lot of people desire. So I think you, you really hit a pulse point with that. Absolutely. So FJ, you had already written, you said a previous Transformer show, and then you did this one, The War for Cybertron, which is kind of cool in a sense that it's talking about a younger Optimus Prime. And you're kind of, well, not kind of, you're definitely, you're showing how, he and Megatron came to to be opposing forces because it's some it's not something that was really I'd have to think way back to go if we're going to go all the way back to the 1980s cartoon rendition of it but it, it definitely wasn't really talked about in the films they brought the other prime back I think it was in uh Dark Side of the Moon or but this really it's a young optimist it it's where he wasn't that confident leader that he that he appears to be current editions of him I just thought that was super cool because we think and I know we're talking about fictional robots but we do tend to think of these great leaders or these great fighters either fiction or non-fiction and we're like my god they're amazing or how powerful but they started out they had to build that up as well so I think it's kind of a nice little human transformer connection i think maybe i'm reading too much into well, it but I, no, <laughs> you're not, you, know, you you can't approach them as robots you have to approach them as characters you know yeah. what i mean like and at this point nearly 40 years into it you know into the franchise is there are millions and millions of people have emotional attachments to these characters in varying degree mm -hmm. and through various iterations of the franchise so everybody has their specific moment where they fell in love with this franchise, whether it's G1 or Beast Wars or later on, you know, there's, or the features, you know, there's so many versions of it, um, you know, and you're one of the few people actually seem okay with the younger, less experienced Optimus because it's the one thing I sort of got beat up about, you know, by a lot of fans, but also our, our you know, opinion and our take on this was the idea that, if you just start him off as the big leader, we already know, what do you do with him for 18 episodes? There needs to be an arc. That's where Alita comes in. That's where Megatron comes in, you know? And there are so many, to your point, there's so many iterations of their history that we sort of catch them at an early stage of their sort of ideological differences and mm -hmm. continue to build that sort of chasm that sort of grows between them as opposed to what was the inciting incident what was you know etc I, th I think this was more inf interesting to just throw the viewer into it which is why in the fir very first episode we have a, a just a genuine fist fight between the two of them because we wanted to establish the intimacy of that relationship between the two of them 
because in that moment you sort of get the seeds of what the or get the sort of layout of what the conflict is and then we can elevate the action into the big explosions and all the cool stuff that we love um mm-hmm. but it was important and you're not reading too deep into it because they're in the end they're no different than you were writing humans because they're still people with personalities and emotions <clears throat> even they just happen to be robots right exactly and i you said something and it and it touched it touched me and i was like remember that and say to talk about it in a second but i absolutely forgot it now i don't know the history that well but it kind of like not an anakin obi-wan because that was more of a teacher but you know when when obi-wan says to anakin uh we were brothers or you were like a brother was that an optimus megatron thing and there was a divisive episode and is that is that touched on in this yeah we we allude to it you know there's a couple of flashbacks and things like that that you know the 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 basic gist is that these guys these two guys in particular are the disciples of alpha trion and megatron in his anger kills alpha trion and that is the inciting incident which we don't show in the show but that inciting incident is what really splits them apart and in a different world where alpha trion doesn't die certainly again we sort of imply this there, there was a possibility that had Megatron stayed on the straight and narrow, he was the leader. He was the one who should lead Cybertron, not Optimus. And Optimus right. is sort of almost by default the leader of the Autobots. So in my mind, when you see those flashbacks, they don't have the logos yet, the Autobot Decepticon logos, because at that point, they're all just Transformers. They're all one race. They're all one. They haven't chosen the side yet. And I think that was really important to convey. Um, but even Optimus says at a certain point, you killed him. You killed him. And that's the moment where we can't go back, you know, and, and it becomes that deviation of their, their path, because in the end, they both want the same thing for Cybertron. It's just completely different ways on how to achieve that. I, I think Megatron is more of a, a fist, <laughs> whereas uh, uh, Optimus is more of uh, using his brain, using his emotions, using the passion of, you know, taking well, care of people. He talks about this a lot, and we talk about it in the book, is that one of the things that, that they highlight in the show in that first season is how Optimus Prime isn't really up to being the leader of the Autobots yet. He's like, Alita One is really the, the, the more suited leader for, mm-hmm. for the Autobots' you know, fight against Megatron and, and, and the Decepticon because she's more battle-tested. Optimus wasn't ready. It, it goes to what FJ was, was talking about. And what I what I found interesting as I was watching the show to you know to prep for the book and whatnot was that they did a really good job of showing this side of Optimus that we hadn't seen. I mean, I get it. I'm a fan too of a lot of things, and I get why fans would, would not be happy initially because it's a very jarring change. Because quite frankly, there's a, more than one scene in season one there, FJ, where you guys kind of show that Megatron is a much more capable leader in some ways than Optimus. You know, that's that's totally intentional. That's absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, because you have, especially in that first episode, you have Ultra Magnus is basically surrendering because in his mind, the war is over and Optimus won't listen to him. You have Alita, who's slightly more optimistic, but is ultimately smarter than all of them, if that makes sense. You know, and, and again, all intentional. But the idea is in their deaths, meaning Ultra Magnus's death, and Alita One's death is those are the building blocks of Optimus becoming the leader that we know him as. 
um, you know, and and the other sort of catalyst of that is Bumblebee, who we eventually encounters because it was important for us because you know for forty years Bumblebee's just been the fun little sidekick. We wanted to show his importance and relevance in this world and how he evolves into who who we know. If that makes sense, you know, that was the idea. Like you just, it's one thing, you know. Look, we knew we were doing a prequel, so if you're doing a prequel. You can't start them off of what you know them as, you know, like Anakin, look at, you know, talking about the Star Wars stuff, like Anakin is not, you know, Darth Vader when we first meet him. It's that descent into the madness. You know, it's no different than Megatron. It's no different than, you know, in a different way, it's Optimus. What are they learning from these traumatic experiences that they're going through with one another in, in, in you know, all under the sort of, you know, cloud of warfare. Um, and that was really important was, you know, the the character development of all these guys, you know, even Alita, you know, who starts off, you know, in one place by the end of the season, she's willing to give him up to protect Cybertron. She's not going to leave the planet, you know, like she, she, she's inherently in my mind, the smarter and more nobler leader than all of them. I remembered what I was going to say. You said, if you started Optimus off as this fierce, knowledgeable, unflappable leader. Exactly. Where do you go from that? It's like starting your film or or series with an explosion. The rest of what you're watching is kind of underwhelming. It's like, well, everything exploded. What could what could we possibly do now? So if you started Star Wars with Return of the Jedi versus New Hope, where Luke is this farm boy who's brought into this world, you know, then it's not interesting. How How did what's the journey? Right. And if you're a viewer and you start watching it, how are you going to enjoy it? Watching it, you know, starting with the end. You, you, you can't enjoy that, the, the story that they're telling, unless you know where it began. Exactly. And that's why having the book, I think, is, is going to be so helpful for a lot of people, especially those of us that really want to get that backstory, that we want to know why, why didn't Alita One become leader? Was it because she was a lady bot? We want to get into it. We want to get into the the nuts and bolts of it, pun intended, I guess. And <laughs> and the character development, also what you said about people not really liking or not accepting the fact that Megatron probably would be the better leader is kind of like people getting mad when some of us say, well, Thanos kind of had a point, right? Mm-hmm. Not, to, not to cross my streams of pop culture, but, you know, the same people that are saying, Oh, well, Megatron is obviously the villain. He could never. And what your show and what the book is really breaking down is kind of that that uh, misconception that just because he became evil didn't mean he had great potential, right? Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There, there, you, you would imagine that there was a point where he was on that path and that path, you know, goes awry at some point, which leads to where we are when the show starts. I think that's very relatable as well to real life. I think a lot of times. Yeah. Well, and here's the, here's the great thing, I guess, for the, the reality part of it is you can be on the wrong path and turn it around. Megatron, unfortunately, isn't written that way as time goes on. He's just, he continues on down that, that bad path, but for the rest of us, I, I think it's a good thing that we can change. Exactly. I need to know, I love, love, love it. And like I said in the book, how you, you go into detail about the different Transformers, the Autobots and the Decepticons. And Ironhide has been my favorite. 
It used to be Optimus, and then my Ooh, brother. Really? Yeah, this is rare. This is good. I like this. No oh. one's mentioned an Iron an Ironhide uh, fandom before. I love Ironhide, and I get a little teary eyed when when when. Well, you know. So, but <laughs> everybody probably would be like, "Oh, I love Optimus. Oh, I love Bumblebee." But I love that you've gone into these other Transformers, especially in the show and in the book and giving them their little backstories because it could be very easy or you know, lazy writing to just be like, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. So to see you guys go into such depth in the backstory and in enriching the characters themselves, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, that's great. And thank you for that. You're welcome. So people can watch War for Cybertron. They can watch it now on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. And the book will be out. No, it it's been pushed to October 11th. Oh. Uh, there's your guy right there. Oh, look at him. And now, did he a was great a job in the book. Uh, he was originally read. I wonder why they changed it for the films. Maybe aesthetics. Maybe he clashed with another Transformer. But yeah. Everything. yeah. Yeah, they did. I'm sorry. So you said October 11th? Yeah, there's been some supply chain uh, delays. Um, that prevented the book from getting into stores earlier than that. So October 11th is the new release date. Oh, you know, that's okay. It's a gorgeous book. People at home won't be able to to see it maybe, but they can buy it. They're going to be able to get it at Amazon, your local bookstores probably. Is yep, that right? And they can, yeah, and they can pre-order it at the, the Viz Media uh, website, vizmedia.com, and you, Viz they can pre-order the book there. Awesome. It is called The Art and Making of Transformers, War for Cybertron Trilogy. And it's it's really pretty. It's a pretty, pretty book. And it's, like I said, for those of us who just love to, to get more information, to get more meat from something that we've read or seen, this is right up our alleys. All of us little nerdies are going to just, we're going to lose our minds. So this is awesome. And I'm so glad that I got to talk to you guys. What's up next? What's up next for you guys? Uh, okay. I, I have another show on Netflix that just came out last week. It's on the video game Tekken, which is a thing I show ran, which I actually made at the same time as Transformers. It just took a little longer to get it out. Um, so that just came out, and I'm about to start writing my next show, which I can't talk about yet. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> You're going to make a lot of 80s babies very happy. <laughs> <with Netflix. laughs> that's my hope. What's next? Street Fighter? I wish. Alrighty. And Mike, what do you got going on? What's up next? Uh, after this, uh, I'm going to... Well, I've, I've already started working on my next making of book for a TV show. They haven't announced it yet, so I can't release it, but the show is yes. currently on television now. Um, and I can't. I guess I can say that it's, it's a sci-fi show. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have another idea for a book that I'm pitching around. You know, fingers crossed that goes somewhere. Other than that, I just loiter around the house and try to keep as busy as possible with, yes. with my kids, my wife, and my dog. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of trouble and stay out of the way. So where can people follow you, Mike, on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, sharing all my various unasked for opinions. Um, and it's pretty easy. It's at Mike Avila. All righty. And FJ, where can I find you? Not on Twitter because I've been banned. And <gasps> Um, but on Instagram at FJ DeSanto. Oh, wow. I might have to have you come back. That sounds like a whole another episode. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. All righty. You guys, thank you so much. And again, I'm sorry that I was late. I was waiting and I don't no, know. Why. No, no need to apologize. This is fun. It was nice talking with you.
You too, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you.